There are digital missionaries making six and seven figure incomes through their online ministry. And in today's episode, we're talking to a coach who knows how to get you there too. This is the Digital Missions Podcast. Yo, welcome to the Digital Missions Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your first million people with the gospel. I'm your host, Justin Coop, and here's the thing. The path to monetizing your ministry is quite simple. Create a product or a resource that you then offer to your audience. Now, that could be a book, an online course, personalized coaching, or a million other things. But once you do, you run into a very specific problem. How in the world? Do you get people to learn about what you're offering? And perhaps more importantly, how do you get them to buy these things? My guest for today is Timothy Barber, pastor, author, and the owner of Overlap Life, a discipleship ministry and digital marketing agency with over 10 years of Facebook advertising experience. He has personally been responsible for multiple millions of dollars earned for his clients and is going to share with us how he can take your tent-making side hustle to $10,000 a month or more, giving you the time, freedom, and margin to serve the Lord with more of your life and energy. Tim, thanks so much for hanging out with us on the podcast today. It's absolutely a pleasure, Justin. Super thrilled to be here. Now, full context, you and I are partnering in the background because I have been working on a book that we're trying to launch there into the world. And you are the guy that's helping me to set up all the funnels and the marketing and everything else like that. So we have a, a much longer backtail history when it comes to working together. So I have a, a bit of a bias to say that I like what you do and I'm excited for what you're going to share with us because I'm trying to put into practice a lot of the strategies and tips and techniques that you're sharing with us. But before we dive into what are the important steps that we need to take in order to monetize our ministry, I would love to hear how you got into this. You're a pastor, you're an author, and now you do this really nerdy thing. For anyone who's watching the videos, they see all the LED lights and the gaming paraphernalia in the background. You're a real nerd. So talk to us about how those two worlds coincide. Oh, man. Yeah, the, this is a lifelong story for me. I grew up in a household that was unabashedly Christian. My father was just always talking to me about the things of the Lord. And he he enjoyed something that I think is a lost art in Christendom these days, which is Christian freedom. He felt no, no moral compunctions at all about enjoying a good thing, even if it didn't have a Bible verse emblazoned on the outside or the little Jesus fish tattooed onto it. We grew up, my, fa my brothers and I grew up enjoying video games, enjoying good music of both, let's call it the worship variety. And both of my parents were coming out of the hippie movement. So good, Jackson Brown, the Eagles, all of that growing up as well. And I just had a super eclectic upbringing, which I think really helped me because it wasn't until later in life that I started to enter into religious contexts where there was like some suspicion around stuff that isn't explicitly churchy. But I just, I never saw it that way. I would read in the Bible that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. I would see that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And those aren't Christian cows. They're just good cows. <laughs> I, I see a lot in the church people struggling through what's what you, you might call sacred secular thinking, where if you really want to serve God, uh, it's got to be in the four walls of a church or out on the mission field. Uh, or out in evangelism and nothing else counts. I'm happy to report that the that's not biblical. <laughs> you can serve the Lord uh, by creating a more garden-like world wherever you go. Uh, and it's exciting because once you're able to integrate those things, there's no sacred secular divide. Everything is sacred in God's eyes. Everything is morally charged uh, and everything creates beauty and goodness and, and life and love. 
or everything that you can do uh, if you're if you're not careful, if you're colluding with the enemy, you can also create chaos and destruction and death. This is applicable to folks in my world, which is definitely more of like the business and and consulting coaching space. And it has happy overlaps with all the folks who are in digital ministry and looking to expand the kingdom of God through creating gospel-centered content online like you guys. I love it. And one of the other little anecdotes I loved, you and I were on a phone call earlier this week talking through strategy and the different work that we're doing together. And you're like, I got a hard stop at this hour because I have a Super Smash Brothers tournament ministry event coming up and I got to make sure that I'm there on time. One of the fun facts about you is that you are a, <laughs> what is it, region ride, statewide ranked Donkey Kong player? Is that? Yep. I am the best Donkey Kong player in the state of Colorado. Smash Brothers has also been a part of my life from the beginning, competitive fighting games. I love it. That's brilliant. So let's go ahead and talk about the world of online uh, advertising. Okay, so you're a little bit of a nerd. You grew up in a Christian home, but at some point you mm -hmm. stumble across the world of online marketing. Can you talk about how that world began for you? Yeah, absolutely. I actually went to school. I went to college for game design and development because I love video games so much. I was convinced that I was going to go become a designer and developer of video games because I was so passionate about them. And I got about two years into my college career down that path. And I started looking ahead a little bit and I saw you get a job in video game development and you're looking at 60 hour weeks earning about 70 cents on the dollar compared to what you'd be making with literally any other kind of programming job possible. Uh, and I had just, yeah, not a good deal. Uh, and I had just met the, the woman who was going to become my wife. And uh, we've been married for 10 years now, by the way. Um, Lord. And at the time I was just doing the math and I was thinking, this doesn't really seem like a good equation for a family life and like a life where I have freedom and the ability to serve God. So I had to put that on the cross, sacrifice that, leave that on the altar, which I was, I was happy this, this to do in the long the run. Conservatives, sorry, this is great for all the <laughs> conservatives who are really angry that you're doing Super Smash Brothers ministry. They're like, good, he had to sacrifice his video game career. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a wrench into that because I'm a, I'm a dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons now. Oh, no. So all of that conservative stuff. Uh, Sorry, guys. It just gets worse and worse every, every minute you open your mouth. Give me grace. <laughs> all right. Um, your story. Nonetheless, yeah. I, so I took the same skill set of software development, software engineering, and it, it turned into probably about 15 years ago, it turned into web development. And I started making websites on the side. I, had got really interested in, <laughs> Justin says, what a nerd in the chat. I got really interested in building websites for people. I, I was part of a really small church plant that was meeting in a middle school up here and I built our church website. And then I just, I got really interested. I didn't want to just make a website. I wanted to find a way to make that website work and do things because most people who have done a project online know the feeling of you put a website up or you pay for ClickFunnels or Kajabi or something like that. And you put a little bit of content up and you're like, they're going to show up now, right? And then it's crickets. And then your domain you purchased lapses and it dies and you just feel ashamed every time you think about it. So it, it wasn't enough for me to just put things out there. I had to really d dive deep into, okay, how do I actually get people to this thing and spread the word and actually get some traction and some growth here? So then copywriting became uh, part of the equation. Marketing became part of the equation, both the organic kind, which I think is still super, super powerful. Um, 
but then also the paid the paid advertising channels. And uh, I've been in that circle for around the last decade uh, working with people. I've, I've had Google and YouTube as clients. If you go to their office out in Boulder, Colorado, which is out here or out in California, you'll see a whole interactive installation that I helped build. Yeah, it's been a really wonderful journey. But the point behind all of it is that I got really passionate about things and I didn't want to just have them remain passion projects. I wanted to see if there was a way for me to take them seriously enough to get other people interested and excited too and spread the word. In, in your bio, it says that you've helped clients reach multiple millions dollars worth of income through your services, which is incredible. There's got to be a story there. I'm wondering was what those clients were like. What is it like working with people who are doing that type of revenue? Because there's got to be something that shifts in your level of thinking when you help someone reach that level of success. It might challenge and say, oh my goodness, am I maybe missing the boat when I think about my time in exchange for dollars per hour when there's this whole mm. other world that's possible? Mm. Yeah, it, what strikes me the most is just the difference in thinking the way that people navigate that equation. Because I have, I have friends who have gotten a little bit of success. They resist some of what I teach and what I have to share. And it, there, there may be up to 8K, which is nothing at all to sniff at. That's a great income. And I'm talking, I'm in a specifically United States context. I know how privileged this sounds. There are a lot of places in the world where if you could earn 8,000 US dollars, that would be a king's ransom. And I'm in no way intending to denigrate this. But at the same time, if you have a skill set that's valuable to enough people, 8K is not as far as you could go if you had some good systems in place. Clarity, but they start to think 8K, about... For clarity, when you're saying 8K, you mm -hmm. mean 8K a month? Yes. Yeah. Like an 8K a month income, which is a pretty, pretty common result that my clients end up getting when they work with me. But the, the fact of the matter is, okay, the person who earns 8K a month in take-home pay thinks very differently from the person who makes 80K a month in take-home pay. And the big differences are what they think about, how they weigh the importance and the value of certain opportunities, and really what they choose to prioritize. Those are some pretty big differences. But the thing is that these days, I've had clients, like I said, Google, YouTube, I've done marketing for, for coffee shops, that we're launching in urban areas. I've done uh, marketing campaigns and even custom software development for lumber yards and deck building suppliers. And I've done a lot in, in my career. But what I've done recently, I, I think that this is, I think this is a, the Lord, to be honest, it's a God thing. I, I feel him guiding me in the direction of serving believers who themselves want to minister through their work in some way, whether it's coaching or consulting or, or bringing some expertise to bear on a problem that their people have, I really want to help them to get the right thinking and systems in place so that they can, they can see a clear path to getting up to 8K, 10K, 15K a month. And in such a way that they then also have the time and freedom to be able to love their family well, to love their church communities well to go and do their, their ministry work and their coaching work and whatever it is that they're doing, have the time and freedom to be able to be available for what the Lord has for them to go off and do. And that's really who I'm serving these days. I love that. I love the specificity of it. I love it because I think I fall in that target demographic of people who just want to do ministry uh, and know that everything's going to be good as a result. 
So I'll be honest, if I had heard some of these numbers, even just a year ago, I'd just be like, okay, cool. Yeah, that, but that's definitely not me. <laughs> and so yeah. trying to countenance, what does it actually look like to set myself up to be that kind of client, that kind of person that's delivering that type of value that people are willing to compensate you to that level? What are some of the kind of barriers to getting there? What are some of the prerequisites? In, in other words, what do I need to make sure that I have in order to be the kind of person that can actually scale up beyond five figures a month? Yeah, that's a really good question. There, there's a lot of different, a lot of different angles to it. I think what, the way that I would answer that is what you need is a skill set that is capable, is able to resolve a problem that enough people are suffering from hmm. that they would rather have, we'll just say, they would rather have the problem solved than the 500 extra dollars in their bank account. Mm. Or they would rather have the problem solved than the extra $1,000 in their bank account. And I speak with people all day, especially believers, who struggle with charging high prices. People balk and, and freak out when they hear that I've sold a website project for $25,000 before mm. because of how complicated it was and how much effort it took. And, and what was more important than anything was the size of the outcome that website project was designed to create. That website project has earned that client millions of dollars. They're happy with their investment. But I don't want to go that far that fast with most believers because they're very conscious about not being greedy, not right. wanting to have dishonest gain. If you're a King James person, I think Paul calls it filthy lucre. We <laughs> you don't want, you want to avoid that. <laughs> no, I'm not a person who's after filthy lucre. But the fact of the matter is, if you've got a way... okay. Just envision a world where you have expertise. Everyone has things that are easy for them that just feel natural and that don't, that they, if, if somebody gets you started, you could talk about that thing for an hour without stopping, without having to ref reference notes. You have some thing in you. Now, for, again, for some people, this might be raising orchids, and that's not a huge problem that people are going to pay you a lot of money to figure out how to solve. For other people, this might be how to restore a broken marriage. Right. They're just super passionate about this and they could just go off and talk about it. For me, it's digital marketing. It's quickly creating offers. It's spinning up businesses quickly. Things like that. It's about there's a Frederick Beekner quote where he says, your calling is where your deep gladness and the world's great hunger meet. Hmm. Your calling is the, the meeting place between your good, your, where your gladness is, what lights you up, what God seems to have made you to do, and then where the world's deep hunger meet. Where are things broken in your environment or in the lives of a certain kind of person that you are uniquely equipped to serve and help? Where are things broken that you can go in and in partnering with God to create a more garden-like world? You can fix those problems. You've been supernaturally graced to fix those problems. And if you have something like that, it's pretty simple to envision, okay, if I create an offer where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a few hours of my time to solve that problem for this subset of people, and I charge $1,000 for it, $1,000 is not going to break the bank in most United States contexts, obviously scale up or down for your part of the world. But if, you, if, if I'm speaking to people in the US and we've got an offer that's $1,000, that solves a problem that people feel really deeply and would have maybe even been dreaming for a long time of being rid of this issue and you can resolve it for them. 
it's not that difficult to envision a world where you can find eight of those people in a month and and have conversations that lead to them saying yes, and you've earned an 8K income. So, so the, the it's about making that possible. Yeah. So the path to get there is understanding where are you talented enough that people would be willing to trade the solution that you offer. Rather, they would prefer that rather than having a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars in their pocket. Once you have clarity on that's what the core offer really uh, boils down to. From there, uh, the fundamental challenge of how do you let people know? Because actually, I think that this is where I would love the mm -hmm. conversation to really focus on because we've had some other interviews and it's been great talking about clarity on your mission and your purpose. And, I, and I'd hope that people have been tracking with the podcast up to this point, or at least getting some ideas about that. But where I'm really curious for you, because I, I think this is the area that is most nebulous to a lot of us is, okay, cool. I have a thing. I wrote a book. I created a course. I have this product that I've, or this service that I've created. Now what? And, and I think for a lot yeah, of people, now the what? only answer yeah. is a hundred thousand pieces of content and cross our fingers, hope that something works. But there's a faster route. Yes. To is that right? Yes. Yeah, there, there is. Either you're going to pay in time or you're going to pay in, in money, right? Mm -hmm. And there is, there's no way around that. I think that your folks, in, especially Justin, are really set up well to succeed at this because they're already trained to think through, okay, what are the deep, deeply felt needs of the people that I'm called to minister to? Who can I reach out to that, you know, what message can I communicate to them that brings them life and hope and good news in their context? And, and that's such a fundamental skill. Really, probably 80% of the battle is just getting clear on who am I and what am I called to? Mm -hmm. uh, who are the people I'm serving and how are they suffering, right? And then how am I going to help them alleviate that pain? And alleviating that pain can be a timely word in a carousel post. It can be a three to five minute video or a YouTube short or a TikTok video that, you know, unlocks a passage of scripture that speaks to their situation. Or if you wanted to go a little bit deeper and get personalized help for this person, it could be a couple hours of your time for $1,000 with a process in place to just alleviate the problem entirely, depending on how serious it is. Your, your folks are really well primed for this because literally the, the, the pushing of the buttons, let's say in Facebook ads, the pushing of the buttons inside of the Facebook ads manager is the last domino to fall. You don't want to jump in and just start pulling knobs and pushing buttons and flipping switches before you understand who you are, what your calling is, what your skill set is, the people that you're called to serve and what they're suffering through and how you can help them. And ideally, before you have something of value, ideally monetary value to offer saying, if you want help with this, here's how I can help you. That's the, those are the main things you need to have. It, and, and honestly, if something is wrong, like once you get the ads running, if something is wrong, the issue is in these three things more often than not. But the buttons we push and the switches we flip in the ads manager, we want to stack the deck really far in our favor before we ever get there. So this is definitely one of those things where you don't pass go, don't collect $200 prematurely because the hard work that you put into and understanding your audience, understanding their pain points. I love the way that you said it. How, who are the people that I'm called to and how are they suffering? When you think about it from that perspective, mm -hmm. it gets a lot clearer as to why someone would find what you have to offer as valuable, like literally in the sense that like they would put value ascribed to your solution is because there's a suffering that you're called to alleviate. So 
in the same way that if I tweak my back in the gym, I'm not at all opposed to going to a chiropractor or a PT. And yes, here's a thousand dollars, make it stop hurting. And so we understand mm -hmm. it in certain contexts where it just makes sense. Where it's like, I need food. Here's my birthright. Well, maybe not that. That's a little extreme. But the point being <laughs> is that there's a pain point. There's a suffering. Mm -hmm. And on the other end of that, there's a willingness to trade value for the end of that suffering. And so when we think about what we share with the world, so I think about the ways that the gospel has impacted my life. For example, it, it is in many mm -hmm. meaningful ways saved my marriage. So when I think about the, mm -hmm. the challenges that I've gone through as a young married couple and the uncertainty of not knowing whether or not we were going to survive this year as a married couple, knowing that on the other end of it, that there is a person, that there is a way to actually get back to ground zero, being able to get back to that first love experience, that is infinite value. And if it requires purchasing a book, Fantastic. I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a book right here on my windowsill because it's a book that's, that is at least promising to help me solve the, the uncertainty in navigating life as a brand new parent. And so when we see suffering and what we bring to the table as solving the pain, we start to understand how what we have actually is beautiful and we're not doing a disservice in helping people realize that there's a monetary amount that's ascribed to it. They will realize that their life is better having bought into whatever product and service you have. And there's a certain sense in which if you mm. offer it for free, it's not valued and it's never used. Because yeah. the way that you yeah, interact people with don't pay resource, attention unless they pay. Exactly. Yeah. The way that people they don't interact pay attention with a free resource is going to be very different than one that they sacrificed for. And so if your offer truly is good, the simple act of ascribing monetary value to it means that they'll take it seriously and they'll actually do the work, which means they actually get the result. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I, I feel personally, okay. I struggled with, there's a few things, honestly, that I think we're, a, a lot of this is going to fall on deaf ears. No problems at all with anybody who struggles with these things. I just, I think that there are a few things that need to be addressed first before we, again, even talk about Facebook advertising. Two things that I want to talk about right now are, are really our view of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then also, I, I guess I would say, our, our mindset around money and, and earning money, right? When we hear the gospel, most of us have a pretty rigid story in mind that involves me having a sin problem and God sending Jesus to die on the cross to take my place, to bring me rescue in life, and to, I am now a child of his, I'm adopted, I have eternal life. Something along those lines. But the, when you actually read the occurrences of the word gospel, when it comes out of Jesus's lips, he doesn't, he doesn't say that necessarily in that context. What he's always talking about is the gospel of God's kingdom. Hmm. He's saying, and gospel means good news. In, 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 in Greek, it's euangelion. In Hebrew, it's besorah. And the idea is always connected to the reigning of a king. And Jesus is, a, is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's king over the universe. And biblically speaking, he's not simply king over a spiritual realm or a spiritual people. And he's not a king simply pronouncing moral judgments and moral values and duties that you need to follow if you're going to be his follower. He's king over the marketplace. He's king over nature. He's king over relationships in the hearts of, of human beings. He is king. There's no spare molecule anywhere in the created order 
where Jesus does not lay claim to it as its Lord with the right to say, this is how this is supposed to go. And when we go out with the gospel, first off, that's a much more winsome gospel than most people hear, which is, I'm a sinner. God wants to rescue me, but if I don't, then I'm punished forever. And a lot of people in my tradition, which is a little bit more of a Baptist flavor, I love the Adventist tradition because there's a lot of there's a lot of doctrine with which I agree on scriptural grounds. But in my tradition, people think of eternal suffering, burning in hell forever, that kind of a thing. I, I just find it it's it's such an impoverished view if we view the gospel only as a get out of hell free card and not as we have been commissioned by the creator of the universe to go and spread the influence of his kingdom in every area of life. Hmm. And there's something beautiful about the fact that every one of us has a different way of bringing that to bear on other people's lives. Every one of us has a different gifting and ability because when Jesus went and he healed people, that was an illustration for his message. When Jesus restores relationships. That's an illustration for his message because the eternity, this is back, this goes back to like my discipleship ministry. The eternity to which we are all headed is not just airy fairy up in the clouds singing forever. It is ruling like Adam and Eve were supposed to from the beginning over a renewed and restored earth that's full of God's spirit. And it's, it's going to be a life of perfect health of complete relationships, of creating beauty and order, of, of celebrating the defeat of evil forever. Uh, so any way we participate in those things now, uh, we, are, we are working alongside God in the here and now for his purposes to work those things out in the world. I say all of this, I, it's a bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's an extremely important one because I know that I can talk about all this Facebook ad stuff and give people lots of concrete tips, and we're going to get to that. But there, there are people who are like me from 10 years ago who would hear that, all of that stuff, all of that practical advice and say, but what's really important is just preaching the gospel and just seeing people get, get saved. And of course, that's wonderful, but that's the entryway into the gospel of the kingdom. That's not the gospel of the kingdom itself. The good news is that Jesus is king and he's bringing his reign and his rule and his authority over every sphere of life. And we are invited to participate in it as his children, as his brothers and sisters. So if I understand you correctly, you're putting, a, you're giving a little bit of a pushback to the type of thinking that says, why would I want to dabble with making money when my goal is to preach the good news to every nation, kindred, dug and people? And what you're saying is that you, we need an expanded perspective of the way that the gospel touches every element of our life, including mm. the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the way you said that, the way the gospel touches, it's not just the way that the gospel touches the marketplace. That's beautiful. But it's the way that the gospel infuses into what it is that you're doing. For me, for me, when it comes to helping Christian consultants and experts spin up businesses, or in the case of a digital missionary, to monetize that through a service that's connected with their specific ministry, gifting, and calling, I view my work as creating order and beauty the way my father does. And, and bringing life and flourishing of life to people who then go out and through what they do, bring new creation, good news, beauty, and life through what it is that they do for other people, right? So I, I'll, I have an example. I, I have a friend who 
teaches who, who literally I, he's saved many marriages in his day. Um, he wrote a book. He did all this stuff and he was just struggling to get this stuff to work and in terms of business. Right. But he when he is able to counsel somebody, when he's able to get husband and wife, even if they've already drafted up the divorce papers and they just agree as a last gasp to come and sit in his office, he has a 92 percent success rate at getting wow. them to cancel their divorce proceedings. Amazing. It, it is supernatural. Right. And if he only speaks with six people in a year, <laughs> that's a waste of a God-given talent and ability that can make massive differences in the lives of people who otherwise are going to fall victim to the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? So, so, your and so friend, I viewed... Mm -hmm. so, sorry. So your friend has to figure out a vehicle that allows him to do that every day, multiple hours a day which is to say that he has to learn how to think differently about the way he packages his gifting so that he has mm -hmm. a endless, you have a wait list of people who are signing up for his services to be able to be impacted in their marriages. It requires a different level of thinking and the result is some level of monetization and sustainability for his ministry. A hundred percent, yeah. And because here's really the secret is that your, again, sacred secular divide thinking, your work and your ministry aren't, separate things hmm. mm -hmm. ministry means service and it's your service to the lord and it's your service to others what you do for work in fact in the entire bible is actually when god commissions adam he makes adam and he places him in the east in the garden which is called eden the word eden means delight by the way in hebrew he places him in the garden to work it and keep it hmm. okay and that hebrew word is abad Eight out of 10 times that word is used in the Old Testament in Hebrew. Eight out of 10 times that word is used. It's actually translated worship. It's wow. not translated work. It's translated worship. So the Hebrew mindset is just shot through with this thinking of, I don't have a spiritual life. I, I have my life. God has given it to me. I'm a physical being waking up, breathing, eating every day. Thank you, God, for giving me a physical body that works. And now I'm going to go out and through how I serve the poor, through how I serve the people who are hurting and struggling, the trade that I have developed that brings life and organization and beauty and order rather than death and chaos to my environment is the way that I'm called to serve God. And that all over, all over the Old Testament. But anyway, your work is your worship. Your work is your ministry. And you you're impoverishing both yourself and the kingdom if you're not bringing that to bear through what you do, whether that means adding some more work into your ministry or adding some more ministry into your work. Hmm. I love that. I love it. Okay. You have me hook, line, and sinker. I am sitting on the edge of my seat wanting to know, okay, I, I get the philosophy. I get the worldview. I'm bought in. I'm ready to do whatever it is that you tell me, Tim, that I need to do because I want to serve more people. And if that also results in me getting more income so I can spend more free time with my family and I can have a larger impact on the kingdom, like I'm there. What, what are the steps that I actually need to take? Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll put it this way. It's simple on the surface. There are some tricky pieces to this. Justin and I are working through, we're going to put together an implementation resource for folks to make it a little easier for them to actually go in and act on this. But the big picture here if you have a mental picture of Facebook ads, it's probably a very complicated one. 
you probably envision, okay, doing Facebook advertising is going to A, be expensive, B, it's going to be complicated, C, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm probably going to waste a lot of money. And thankfully, those things don't have to be the case, and you don't have to have a doctoral degree or become a rocket scientist in order for it to make sense and work for you. There's really a three-step process, okay? Three different kinds of ads that you're going to run, and they all flow one into the other. Step one builds up step two, and step two builds up step three. So real, real quick, if you've ever heard someone complain about Facebook ads, I will tell you right now, 95% of what they're struggling through is whenever you're taking someone off of Facebook and onto a website, okay? Whether that's sending them to a landing page or sending them to the homepage of your website or something like that. Almost everything people complain about is only relevant for that part there, okay? And in some cases, that's necessary. So Justin, when we're getting that book launched, that's going to be an important thing for us to get taken care of. But what's exciting for most people is when they learn that 10K threshold is attainable, even if you never send somebody to a website, you never have wow. to deal with the tech headaches of putting together a sales funnel. You don't have to sit here struggling through, okay, how do I get the payment processing to work? Do I build an e-commerce site? Where do I go put the trainings? You don't have to deal with that yet. That's trying to fly before you can crawl. The good news, good news is if you have an offer. I, I don't want to build a website. <laughs> it sounds stressful. I don't want to do all those things. I, I do it for a living and it is. It, it never <laughs> gets not stressful. Fair enough. It's even if you're really good at it, you know all the buttons to push, it still can be a major headache. Here's how this works. There's three phases overall. And I call them, the first phase is called primed content ads. Mm -hmm. The second phase is called direct offer ads. And then the third phrase overall is retargeting. Don't worry if any of these are unfamiliar terms. Uh, I'm going to explain them one by one and, and make this make sense. The first thing is primed content ads. People hate being sold to, but they love to buy. Have you ever noticed that? People are, nobody ever wants to, if you're out walking and somebody is, is out on the street, I don't know if people do this anymore, different parts of the world, but if somebody's out on the street, trying to sell something, calling people in and, and, and trying to hawk their thing on people that are walking by, that is pretty universally considered a, like an irritating behavior. Like people don't generally respond well to that. But then they'll walk one block past that person into a thrift store, buy a really cool piece of clothing at a good deal, and then take a selfie and voluntarily post themselves saying, I bought this for 50 cents. How did I get this good of a deal? Yeah. Or if you've ever bought a book or been gifted a book for Christmas or something and you read it cover to cover and you recommend that to all your friends, that's amazing, right? So people hate being sold to, but they love to buy. And people buy things they actually want, okay? So the key is we need to find a way to get them to want what it is that you're selling without you hard selling them first. Okay, because this is just basic human decency. You want to, if you want to help people, then help them, right? And if they need more help, then they'll come asking for more help because they'll know where to find it. So that's what the, this is the philosophy of the Prime Content Ads. So in, in terms of the nuts and bolts of how Prime Content Ads work, essentially you're going to record a minimum of three, three to five minute videos that all follow a pretty simple framework that essentially what you're doing is you're taking some pain or some frustration or want or aspiration that they have 
as it relates to the thing that you do, and you're just going to solve the problem for them in three to five minutes. Okay. And you're going to invite them to, to reach out to you if they have any questions. You're going to invite them. You're going to say, hey, reach out to me on Messenger if there's anything that you want to talk about when it comes to this. But it's fundamentally a giving step first. Okay. Here's the amazing thing. If you put a three to five minute video on Facebook, you can actually keep track of how far into the video people watch your video. Okay. Imagine that you, again, we're going to go to my friend who gives marriage saving advice. And he's going to create three videos, one that is urgent advice for husbands, one that's urgent advice for wives, and one that is urgent advice for couples, something along those lines. And he's going to walk through this material. He's going to put that out there and think about what happens on Facebook. Think about your own experience. If you see something that doesn't resonate with you, Justin, okay, it's just not interesting to you. Do you keep that on screen and hate comment and angry react and say, this is vile. I can't believe that you're putting this on my feed. Or do you just keep scrolling until you find something you'll like? Generally, you're just going to keep scrolling, right? Correct, correct. Okay. So what if there were a way for you to keep track of all the people who watched a minute of that video or two minutes of that video or a hundred percent of that video and have all of those people in their own little side pool that you can talk to just the people who've watched and resonated with your stuff. Yeah. So if I'm hearing what you're saying is that you're able to identify by their viewing habits, who actually cares what you have to offer. So rather than mm -hmm. trying to just stop random strangers on the street and being a nuisance to everybody, the data indicates that whatever it is that you're saying in this three to five minute ad is actually resonating because they're hanging out. And and this makes sense for me because like when I'm buying a product online and they have zero information about the product, I'm less inclined to buy it versus if they have a massive page that talks about every little detail about the product that has all the testimonials and reviews. So in, this, in, in a purchasing decision, more information is actually better, which is so counterintuitive to how we think ads and good social media advertising works in which we want to be brief. Instead of creating a five minute mm -hmm. piece of content, we want to create a 10 second piece of content. And we expect people will move to the point of going from stranger to purchasing and trusting you with the next life decision in 10 seconds or less. So you're saying actually in, in this specific use case, depth of content actually is valuable as long as you're communicating value. A hundred percent. And here's what's great about this. I'm pretty sure your folks are already pretty well trained for creating short video content. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all, all you need to do is just make it not look like an ad. And you don't even necessarily need to mention your product directly. Mm. You're mm. simply putting out good information, good teaching that people need. And you're already doing that. Okay. Here's the secret. These primed content ads that I'm talking about are just really good organic videos with money behind them. That's all it is. It's mm -hmm. excellent organic content that puts on display your teaching gift or your counseling gift or you, whatever it is that is the information aspect of what it is that you do to expand the borders of God's kingdom. You're simply putting that into a video format and saying, here is my teaching to help you. Okay. If there's a step one, two, and three to your process, you can do one video for each step. If there are three roadblocks, you help people clear in between point A where things are they stink and point B where the problem is resolved and there's three roadblocks in the way, you make a video for each one of them. 
Either way, you're just making really good organic content that you put money behind and you're wanting to speak. You're, you're trying to speak to a sub audience of people that are specifically the people with whom this resonated. We're going to put a pause on this episode and pick up the phase two and phase three approach from Tim in our very next episode. But right now, we want to pause and let you know about a resource because chances are you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. If you head on over to Tim's website, he has done a really big favor for us in consolidating all of this information for us in one neat, convenient package. You can get it over at theoverlap.design slash DMA. That's theoverlap.design slash DMA. There's a whole bunch of free resources there that teach you what you need to know to create the kind of Facebook ads that get in front of the kinds of people that you want to serve. Now, full transparency, I'm literally running this game plan with Tim right now. Tim is helping me learn how to run Facebook ads so that I can actually sell my master class. Yes, that's right. I have a six hour social media class that I'm selling online right now. And these ads are actually helping me to reach new people. Now, crazy thing is, even though I'm selling it online because of the Adventist learning community, you get this masterclass for free. So all you have to do is go to the show notes, grab the course and enroll today. So two call to actions for today, head on over to theoverlap.design slash DMA for Tim's free offer, as well as go to the show notes for my free masterclass. We'll see you guys in next week's episode.